One day you will tell your story of how you've overcome what you're going through now, and it will become part of someone else's survival guide. I absolutely love that quote. Welcome to HEAL, conversations to guide you toward personal growth and overall well-being. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of HEAL. Today I have Leanne Monahan, who is a survivor of abuse, and she now helps others overcome their own limiting beliefs as a mindset coach. Hi, Leanne. Hello, hello. Thank you for having me. This is an honor. Thank you. Oh my gosh, thank you. I'm pleased to have you, and I can't wait to hear all about your story. I um, am also a coach of sorts. I call myself a confidence coach, but a lot of what I do is mindset work and some energy stuff. So I would love to hear your story. I would love to, if you're willing to share um, some of your backstory so we understand who you are and how you overcame a lot of that adversity. Okay, well, loaded question, like right out of the gate. Bam, Bam, here we are. My listeners are used to that. I usually start that way and I, or I say, usually this is what I usually say, Leanne, um, because I was a kindergarten teacher. I say when your teacher asked you what you wanted to be when you grew up, did you say a mindset coach? (laughs) I doubt it. So what brought you to it is usually how I ask that question. (laughs) Oh, that's priceless. Yeah, no, that certainly, I don't even think that that existed whenever I was in kindergarten mindset coach, right? Like, what is that? What is that? So, yeah, no. So this is, um, yeah, this is interesting. This is going to be interesting. It's going to be fun. So I, my story is, um, you know, I grew up in a, in a family where my father was, um, an alcoholic, not that he ever, like, we never saw it. He never drank in front of us or he was never coming home, you know, sloppy drunk or anything like that. He always did it, you know, away from the family, but you know, all of that energy, it came into the family. Right. So we were, you know, my mom was a nurse, so she gave up her career to take care of us. So there's three kids. I'm the oldest. Oh boy, that's a tough position to be in the oldest. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, a lot of firstborns take on a lot of responsibility. Yeah, I guess. I guess we do. I guess we do. But you know what? You, I don't know. You just kind of go with it, right? It's never like stop and think, oh yeah, I took on a lot of responsibility. No, no. You realize that usually when you're older and you're like, geez, it's a lot of pressure for a young one to, they feel the weight of the shoulders and a lot of responsibility typically. I mean, not all firstborns, but typically. Yeah. Yeah. So I, you know, that was, um, that was how I grew up was kind of like always this funny energy that was going on in our household. I knew from a very young age that, you know, it just was odd that my parents were together. And, you know, like, you don't even know about the word divorce or 
you know, parents not being together, but already at, at a young age, I just knew that, you know, that they weren't meant to be together. And it was just, it wasn't healthy. It wasn't That's interesting. Healthy. You felt that at a young age. Yes, 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 yes. A hundred percent. I did. Um, wow. And so anyway, it, you, you, as you know, when you're younger, it, you don't know what you don't know, right? You, you just haven't experienced anything in the world yet. So it, yeah, you know what? It is responsibility. It's responsibility whenever you have huge messages as a young child and you don't know how to process them. That's right. right? Yeah. And the thing is about not knowing what you don't know, you just think it's the norm and, and you're just going to, you just think this is what everyone's dealing with, or this is what it's like to grow up in this time, or, you know, and, and, and it might not be the norm. Yeah. But you know what it was for us because there were so many other families in our area because I grew up in the country mm -hmm. and there were a lot of alcoholic, mostly fathers back in that day because I'm 58, right? So we're going back, you know, this is in the 70s, 80s kind yep. of deal. Yep. Um, so yeah, it was so that so my parents, they stayed together until I was about 18 years old. Um, and then, you know, it was my, like my father, he was very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Charismatic. Like oh, yeah. he, he was like, he could have been, uh, what do you call that? A doppelganger for, um, Burt Reynolds, whenever. Burt oh, Reynolds. wow. Yeah. Burt Reynolds back in the day. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Am I aging back. myself too now? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, he, so he attracted a lot of attention. And of course, you know, he came from an abusive background himself. So, you know, he was never faithful in the marriage. I mean, it was just, I mean, he was a product of his environment too, right? So there's all this generational trauma going on. Mm -hmm. And uh, so anyway, that's, and, and it was hard as a young girl, because I idolized him so much. And then as you grow older and you see what's going on, um, how that illusion is broken and, yeah. and it broke me, I think at a really deep, deep level because, you know, I never trusted men, right. It, because yeah. they were all going to cheat. They were all going to, you know, the alcoholics or whatever, right? I mean, right. then that use your vision. So they um, they had a, a pretty um, crazy divorce. Whenever I was about eighteen or nineteen, um, my dad at that point had decided that he was going to just stop drinking cold turkey, and uh, because of such an abrupt you know, stopping and, and, but still have all the isms, right. Without dealing with the inner work. Um, yeah. So he actually ended up in, in a mental hospital. For, of course. Well, you know, for, that's one of the hardest things to kick and, and physically it can be deadly trying to stop drinking cold Turkey like that. Mm -hmm. wow. So he, he, so we, so we went through that phase of, um, of him being in, in a mental institution for a while, a mental hospital. And then, um, yeah, then that's whenever they decided that they would part ways. So the other thing that really impacted me during that time was my mother had 
you know, given up her career. Yeah. She was a stay at home mom. Yeah. And now she had to find something to support you all. Exactly. So it was extremely traumatic for her too. And, you know, to watch her, like she would, you know, be in bed for days crying. And, and here I am this, you know, wild teenager, just, you know, you know, letting loose with no guidance around me at all. You know, it certainly led to some bad decisions, that's (laughs) for sure, you know, but it's, you know, you're just working from trauma brain too. So just um, backtracking a little bit. So they had decided, okay, yes, we're going through this divorce. And then one day my dad just decided, okay, now we're going to get the family back together again. (laughs) Oh my goodness. So we, he decided that he was going to take us all on this trip to Mexico city. And, um, one by one, you know, my mom decided she's not going to go because it was just unhealthy for her. And she just knew she would be going back to the same. And, and my, uh, my sister, he, um, he kicked her out too. And, and so it was, so it was just my brother and myself and my dad. So we head to Mexico city. And again, another traumatic experience now looking back on it. And again, just talking through it with you, I can even see it through a different lens now. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm already traumatized from the divorce and, and, you know, just seeing everything that had happened as a child growing up. And even at 18, I was still a child. Of course. And, and now I'm, I'm on this trip with my dad and my brother. And so immediately out of the gate, you know, he's just attracting all of this female attention everywhere we go. And, um, you know, exhibited some pretty bad behavior that you would just wouldn't do to uh like I would think oh my gosh if my ex-husband would have done that to his daughter like mortifying so one night um he had two two young girls stay with them and then the next morning like I was expected to be nice with them at the breakfast table right and I'm just like (laughs) oh my god you know like what did they feel like I wonder I mean that that's I mean um, yeah yeah, I know you can't answer that question. It's somewhat rhetorical, but I, I mean, wouldn't you, if you were them, be like, what am I even doing here right now? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it was very, very bizarre, right? And, and you know, I do, and especially back in those days, carried a bit of an edge to me. So I was not very nice. <laughs> and then my dad took me aside and he said, you little bitch, if you don't start smartening up, I'm just going to put you on the first plane back to Mexico. And it's just like, you know, how do you process all of that? Right. It's just like, there's so many moving parts here anyway. So, you know, that was, so you're, you're being shut down. You're being shut up. You're not being seen. You're not being heard. And, and so anyway, that was, that was kind of like the tone of the trip then. And then we, uh, we went on a, a day trip to Mexico City, and my dad had hired a, um, like, a, just a private guide for us to go around. Right. And all day long, all he wanted to do was go to a house with prostitutes in it. And 
I mean, here you are. So I'm sure this guy just like, what the hell is going on here? You know, like he's got this daughter, the 16 year old son. And, you know, here he is like acting like he's like, you know, Mr. You know, macho. It would be one thing yeah. if he was alone on his, his vacation, but he's not, he's caring no. for his children. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, at the end of the day, the the guide finally just gave in and so we ended up at this brothel whatever you want to call it and so I remember walking in and all of these girls they were just like if daggers could have come through their eyes looking at me and and it's just like you know what the hell are you thinking and I and I and you don't have a choice, right? Like you're in a country that you don't know, you don't know the language, like it could have been easier, you know, just drop me off at a mall or something, but you just can't do that. So again, you just feel like you just don't have choice. Yeah. And, you know, and so, um, so then, you know, all of these drinks came to the table. Sorry about that. And oh, is that uh, your dog? Yes, because oh it's it's a lovely day here, so I'm sitting outside. So my apologies, listeners. That's okay. Don't worry. Just a dog, everybody. My dogs are scratching at the door over here, and I'm trying to ignore them. Okay, so thank you. My apologies again. So yeah, so then. Um, you know, this, this huge tray of drinks comes over and they, they say they're for you. And I'm like, I didn't even order anything. And the tour guide said, don't take any of them because who's ever drink that you take, that's who you're supposed to be with or something. And I'm like, what the heck is going on here? Right. So then uh, long story short, uh, my dad, you know, he's like, trying to be you know the 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 man of the hour and he so I want to talk to the manager and all this and then he's like yeah I want to have the best looking you know woman that you have in the place for my son he's doing all of this in front of you guys for her spot yeah 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 (sighs) yeah sorry yeah so it was just like it was so weird and then um and it was somewhat inappropriate. And it's just, yeah. oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah, pretty, pretty grim. So at the end of it, I don't know. So you would have watched Reese, John Travolta back yeah. in the day. Yeah. So in the final scene when Sandy comes out in that one piece yeah. like Okay, so picture that, except we're in baby blue, and out comes this, you know, incredibly looking, beautiful young woman. And then proceeds to take my brother into a room. And uh, yeah, and then now I'm starting to get really anxious because we're supposed to catch a plane because we had flown to Mexico City. And uh, I just remember going through these hallways, just screaming for my brother, like, let's just go, let go, go, go. We got to catch. And uh so anyway, we left and we didn't make it to the airport. So we ended up having to stay the night. And then my dad's like, well, yeah, now you should go out with the tour guide. And I'm like, no, I don't think so. And then he's like, no, no, again, you don't have a choice, right? Like, or I didn't feel like I did, or I didn't have a voice. And um, yeah, so I, uh, you know, he paid 
the tour guide to take me out and it was just such a horrific thing again I'm I'm in this bitchy mode just like I was with the two girls and Mm -hmm. and just like I don't want to be here just take me back like you know I was rude to him and everything else and then um he uh he said okay I'll take you back but he didn't and he took me to what probably was his apartment or something and then that's where he raped me and then uh and then just didn't say anything and and I didn't like it was you know I'm just thinking okay just get this over with and and I you know I know I can take him if he comes at me and thinking about my options and he actually drove me back thank god yeah because you're, you know, you're in Mexico, you don't know the language, it's the middle of the night, and everything is wrong about this story, and your dad yeah. was in that situation. Mm-hmm. So when that happened, I never spoke of it until probably I was 30 years old. So that was a good, you know, 10 to 12 years before I finally spoke about it. And so, you know, you're you're working on a lot of trauma brain there, you know? Um, and especially I was already, I didn't have a lot of guidance through my childhood. Right. And, you know, I acted out so terribly in well, my twenties and, you know, so the poor gentleman that I married, you know, he was, it was terrible because I took it all out on him and, I mean, he had his issues too, but anyway, but you know, I, I was to take full responsibility for my behavior in that marriage. And then, you know, how that affected me as being a mom, right? You know, I didn't have a good role model in either one of the parents to understand the importance of being a good parent. Right. I mean, not that I ever beat my kids or anything like that but definitely you know looking back on it now not emotionally available um you know it was you truly didn't know any better though you know no I didn't I really didn't know any better and then um and then you know I started to talk about it and and of course it got pushed under the rug yeah did they and, not believe you or did they think you were overreacting or what, what, how, like, what, how did they respond to that? And who? Nobody said anything. They just mm. said, and even I told my dad too, that was, I remember it was my 30th birthday and I drove down to, cause I lived six hours away and I drove down and I just told my dad and I'll never forget. He was on the rocking chair in the backyard. Oh, I never knew that happened to you, Lee. And he's just sitting there on the rocking chair. And, and then that was the moment it's, it, that he could this give two shits about it. No, because he did. I just, I just, the skies opened up and I was just like, you know what? He, he'll never get this. Yeah. He'll never get this. And in a way that released me to a degree, right? I just thought, you know what? This, he'll never get this. Mm-hmm. And then, um, then of course, I, I certainly was, uh, you know, not present in my marriage, and then the marriage fell apart. So I would have been, um, 
in my late thirties, whenever that happened. So all of the stress of that, um, that's whenever I got cervical cancer, surprise, surprise, Mm -hmm. right? Surprise, surprise. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then that's whenever I went back to school to be a massage therapist. So I had all, I, I already like was level three Reiki master and level three therapeutic touch. And I kind of knew a little bit about visualization. So, and then when I went to massage school, I know the anatomy. Yep. So working with all of those modalities, um, I was able to, you know, come through the cancer in a, in a positive way. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, so it was good that I got diagnosed whenever I was going to school because we did a lot of, not that everybody knew, but, um, we did like castor oil treatments, hydrotherapy, you know, that's whenever I started to become real diligent with my health and well being. You were in the right place at the right time for once. (laughs) <laughs> yes, exactly. Thank you for saying that. So that's whenever things started to, to shift. Yeah. Then, you know, so fast forward. So that really brought me down the path of, you know, getting really serious about nutrition. So I just devoured books on nutrition and, and really not that I had the only the knowledge, but also I put it into practice. Right. And, um, you know, I'm, very big on being physically fit. And so then um, that's whenever I opened up my first business, which is staying alive fitness. And that kind of came through that whole experience of, and so I just wanted a place where people could, you know, come into a fitness facility and not feel judged Mm-hmm. and uh, that it's a safe place for people and also that it's it's more about a holistic approach to mm-hmm. living as opposed to oh let's just go pump iron and let's that's get right. a bigger biceps and all of that so that's how that business came to be and so outwardly you know I looked like I was very successful and mm-hmm. I had like great clients and you know it, it was great. I mean, it was a great, it is a great business. It still is. Um, but inwardly I was still trauma. Yeah. I was still dealing with trauma brain, even though, you know, I had been to therapy, but I just couldn't get a handle on it. And it was always like low grade anxiety, low grade imposter syndrome, low grade, you know, low self-loathing, like, oh my gosh, I, it was not nice to be in between my ears. Yeah. There's a lot of us that have that still, like, I know I'm the same way. I am definitely, I would, I'm glad you said low grade because I'm not like that all the time, but there's definitely like this low hum of, what do you think you're doing? (laughs) You know? Yeah. And I do catch it. You know, I, I absolutely catch it. I stop it. I switch it and I work on it. Um, But, you know, I think we all have that little bit of questioning. Yes, 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 yes. And, but yeah, but that was the driving force, right? Even though low grade for me, it was, I didn't have the tools to switch. Like at that point, did you shift to your own coach or what, what, what did you? Yeah. So then, so then 
what happened. So, you know, that was about 12 years of me operating the business with this, you know, thinking and this anxiety and everything else. And then course then perimenopause and menopause hits right so now your hormonal shift is all over the place so I like I just came to a point where I was just like I can't take this anymore I just want to sell the business I just want to leave you know leave my marriage just leave right and then just you know go out and start again ski with my boys or something right yeah and, uh, and I just had enough sense to know that that wasn't the right decision, but that's what I was feeling on the inside. And then that's whenever I signed up to have my own coach, because I had seen a friend of mine who just completely transformed. And I'm like, what are you doing? And then she's like, oh, I have a mentor and a coach. And I'm just like, the heck is that even yes. like, what? <laughs> yeah. And so anyway, just by blind faith, um, I, I started and because I was just sick and tired of being sick and tired. Right. And then, um, then I really took to the material. So I, you know, so who I study with is Bob Proctor, right? So I'm one of his consultants now, but I just took to that material like duck does to water. And all of a sudden things started to shift and I really understood the manifestation process like I I had manifested big things in my life before but I didn't quite understand why and you but can imagine now, being a little healthier and being able to manifest how fast things would be created in your life yeah yeah so it was it was very interesting so it kind of gave me the keys to the kingdom yeah and um so then I just you know business doubled and then I I um I, uh, you know, when COVID hit, I changed my business model. I became a clinic, not only just a gym so that I could, you know, still stay open. And so, you know, I really shifted my business model and kind of navigated through COVID in a very positive way, um, just because of the material. And then one day I thought, you know what, like, um, you know, there's only two ways to change, right? either time space repetition right because you're building it or bam emotional impact so I did have an emotional impact and negative right (laughs) they usually are and uh just like 9-11 like bam that changed the world um and so this material it it literally saved my life because I could have went in a lot of different directions yeah that's when I thought you know what people like I know it already had helped me business-wise it had helped me personal-wise but because of the last emotional impact that I had I know that this material like saved my life right hands down saved my life and so I thought you know what I need to step up and be a coach not just always be the forever student yeah so then, then I, I did I signed up and I became a consultant and um and I just love what I do. I love what I do and the transformation that, you know, I, I get to witness yeah. with the clients. I mean, that's just so, so gratifying. And, you know, there's a, a variety of different people that I work with. Like there's the entrepreneurs mm-hmm. and then there are women, uh, 
you know, with weight release, because now that's the missing key, right? It's the yeah, mindset. Absolutely. It, you can never outperform your self-image. So, mm-hmm. you know, if your self-image is set and then I'll like, at, let's say it's a thermostat in a room and you have it set at 25 and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, I want to release or lose, let's say lose, lose 15 pounds. So, you know, you clean up your diet, you exercise, you drink more water, all of the right things to take you to lose 15 pounds. And now it's like, okay, ah, maybe I'll just take this weekend off. And then five pounds comes back on. Oh, you know what? Maybe I'll just, you know, have that extra glass wine, then another five comes (laughs) and then bam, you're right back at your set point again. Right. So that's using willpower to change. Right. And so then, but that doesn't work because willpower can only last for so long. So what has to happen is the self-image has got to come up Mm -hmm. at the same time as you're making this decision that you want to lose 15 pounds. Because if you're still set at your limiting beliefs or how you see yourself, like the inner image, mm-hmm. it just won't work. So, you know, that's really fun to work with people that they transform versus change. Because when you change, you always have that's that right. possibility to go back. But when you transform, you kind of have to evolve not, and transform. Yeah. Yep. You can't go back. Right. So, it, so to me, it was the missing key with so many people that I had worked with over the years. Like I'm thinking, holy snaps, you invest all this money and then how can you go back? <laughs> right. And, uh, and there's, and of course there's people that have anxiety that in fear and doubt and imposter syndrome. And so they, they're amazing people to work with too. And yeah, so I just get to, I just get to really play every day and, and help and, and, you know, be somebody's possibility. And because if they see it in, in you, or if they see it in me, it's just a mirror to them, mm-hmm. right. right? It's the mirror to them. That's so all how that do you, is. so tell us a little bit about that program. Um, what is the program like? Are there different aspects of the program? I know mindset is one of them, right? So, okay. So then this is, this is the third business that I have. Oh, so that's called, so, uh, there's, so that's, it's called the wealthy Academy, W E L L T H Y wealthy Academy. And it's built on four pillars of well-being. First is the mindset. Mm-hmm. Second is energy, right? So I do teach, um, tapping and therapeutic touch and, even just to harness into your own energy and intuition. So energy Mm -hmm. is a huge component of it, how you nourish your body and how you move. So you notice, I don't say diet or fitness, right? Mm -hmm. It's not any of that. It's, it's a more gentler approach and you need all of those changing. It's changing old thought. That's what you're the, you know, calling it, um, nourishing makes it more like I am taking care of my body and I'm not, um, I'm not with taking things away from my body. You got it. Sacrificing, you know, you're nourishing, you're eating things that are, that make sense for your body and nourish you. And your movement is, can be anything. It doesn't have to be, uh, like you said, pumping iron. It can be walking, swimming, uh, 
bike riding, anything. And, and, and when you do things that you enjoy like that, then you're apt to continue and you notice the change and the mindset changes and your attitude toward everything changes. You're not sacrificing, you're giving, you're giving yeah. yourself what you need. Yeah. So I love that. Thank you. You just paraphrased that very beautifully. You captured the whole essence of it. (laughs) I'm a podcast host. That's what I do. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. I love that. Thank you. So yeah, so that's, that's my approach. So it's not just one lane of mindset. You do have to work on mind, body and soul. So the energy is the mind is the soul. The mindset is the way you're thinking is the mind, the body is the movement and the nourishing. So you have all three there covered and that's the whole person. Yeah. Yes, that's right. And that's being wealthy. W-E-L-F-T-H-Y, that's being wealthy. I love that. Yeah. So that's (laughs) through all of that journey and, and, you know, so that's, I've changed my perception of it all. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually grateful that all of that happened absolutely, absolutely. because now I can be, you know, someone else's possibility. And if I can get through all of that and, you know, land on the other side, so can you. That's right. Um, there's a great quote, which I open every podcast episode with a quote that pertains to the episode. And as we're talking, and as you say that, it reminds me of this quote. And I'm not, I'm going to completely butcher it. So I don't even think I can say it right now. I'll have to look it up. Um, but it's about telling your story. Essentially, the quote is about telling your story and how it becomes a roadmap to someone else's healing. And that's exactly what you just oh. said. So I'll find it and I'll definitely open this episode with it. Um, okay. So can P- how do people contact you if they want to hire you for um, coaching? Uh, so they can go to um, Lee, like my name, leannemonahan.com. That'll bring you to the website. Anything with Staying Alive Fitness or Staying Alive Wellness Clinic, that'll definitely bring you to... Um, the website too, or okay. to bring you to me. Yeah. Are you on Instagram or Facebook? Yes, I am. Whoops. I am on Instagram and yeah. it's um, Leanne underscore Monahan, I think. See, I, I, I'm so. Oh my I'm gosh. So don't worry about it. Listen, I'll tell the listeners and I'll tell you too, Leanne, that I always get these things and throw them in the podcast notes. So if they're listening and they want to reach out, it's right there for them. So don't worry too much about exactly what it is. You just send all of that great information to me and I'll plug it in for people to grab if they would like to. How's that? Okay, perfect. That's perfect. Thank you. Thank you. So I think we're going to, we're going to wrap up in a minute, but I would like to ask you just a few more things. One, is there anything else that you'd like to share with the listeners? you know, just start somewhere, right? Just start somewhere. And if it's just 1%, that's a start. Absolutely. That's right. Um, Okay, thank you. So here are my three questions I ask everyone at the end of the podcast. Um, When you are at your most peaceful, what is it that you're doing? I'm rollerblading. Oh, that's so cool. (laughs) I'm rollerblading. You're such a child of the eighties, like late seventies, eighties, nineties. I mean, we used to roller skate and then we just, you know, 
evolved to rollerblades. Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's rollerblading beside Lake Ontario. There's a, an eight kilometer path that I, oh. that I'll go. Yeah. So I love it. I love it. It just brings me to my imagination and I feel free and happy. You're probably, you're probably also like closer to the source and then, you know, energy and all of that stuff. So that's a hundred percent. Yeah. And then my next question is if there was one book that you would want to recommend to your clients or the listeners that changed your life, what Ooh. would it be? Feeling is the secret by Neville Goddard. Ooh. Okay. It's, it's a, you, you can get it on Amazon. It's less than $5 and it's four chapters. But if you just do exactly what Neville says, feeling is the secret. That's how you attract is by feeling. Yep. Oh my gosh. Love that book. Awesome. Love Thank that. you. Thank you. I'm always looking for something else to read. All right. Um, and if money wasn't an object, what would you be doing? I would still be doing exactly what I'm doing right now, but I would be doing it all over the world. Yeah, <laughs> I get that one a lot. That's fabulous. Yeah. Um, it just means that you're doing what you should be doing, period. Right. right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Leanne. It was so nice to talk to you and get to know you and hear your story. I know that your story would definitely um, help others to understand that you know, if you had gone through what you had gone through and came out on the other side and now are helping people, there's hope for them. So I appreciate mm -hmm. your honesty and your vulnerability and sharing it. Thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. Again, thank you for <laughs> having welcome. me. I am so grateful. And, and I just hope that even if it helps one person, yep. you know, it's just, <clears throat> yeah. I love that. Thank you know, you. and Thank I you. always, and I do always say that maybe your specific details of your story isn't what someone else is going through, but it's just the fact that you came on, you shared, and it is just an unbelievable story of overcoming because I don't know how anyone could bounce back from something like that. It's traumatic. That's so traumatic. So thank you again. I do appreciate it. My pleasure. Great. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. And everyone else, I'll be back in just a moment. If you're in the Mansfield, Massachusetts area and are looking for a space for yoga, meditation, great workshops, and life coaching support, check out Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. Mainstream even has a couple of virtual options if you don't live close by. Check out their offerings at MainstreamMeditation.com. You can also follow Mainstream Coaching and Wellness on Facebook and Instagram. The name is Mainstream Coaching and Wellness. And here I am. I am back, just came back to say one more time, thank you so much for joining us. We are so excited that you enjoy this podcast and keep coming back for more. We can't wait to see you next time. But until then, may you be happy, healthy, safe and live a life that's filled with ease. Thank you. Bye.